The Aussie Fire podcast is a collaboration between Strong Money Australia and Perla, Australia's favorite boring long-term investing platform. Join our hosts, Dave from Strong Money Australia and Hayden from Perla, as they discuss all things financial independence. At Aussie Fire, we're big fans of sharing experiences and talking about money. However, please note that any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. Consider whether it's appropriate for you and if in doubt, speak to a licensed financial advisor. All right, welcome back to Aussie Fire. Again, it's Dave from Strong Money Australia and Hayden from Perla. So if you might listen to the uh, first introductory episode, which was about how this podcast, we imagine it unfolding and a little bit about who we are. Now the fun part begins because we're going to actually get into some specific topic episodes. So today we wanted to have a discussion around a few big questions really on the themes of money and freedom, which are obviously massive, massive topics in themselves. This stuff is really important for everyone who might be pursuing financial independence to think about. So today we'll talk about what freedom looks like to each of us. We'll describe like our ideal lifestyle, but we'll also talk about some different, like some common fire lifestyle goals that we see other people in the community um, shooting for as well. So this might be a little bit easier for me, Hayden, since I'm already kind of living a, a retired ideal lifestyle, I suppose. But I'd be I'm pretty interested to hear what your situation is and what, what you're ideally working towards in terms of what that actual lifestyle might look like. So we'll get into that today, I reckon. Sounds good. We'll also touch on some things like purpose, being productive, and also like the fear of being bored, because that's one of the things that comes up a lot when you're talking about to people about the possibility of retiring early, even whether even if they're on the journey, like some people will pursue financial independence, but then they'll be halfway or a little bit further and they'll actually be, uh, they'll be making progress and they'll have the option to reduce work, but then they'll actually get a little bit scared about, well, what will I do? And maybe I'll get bored and all the rest of it. So we'll kind of open that can of worms today and, and get into that a bit. And there's also like a little bit of a silly philosophical question at the end that we'll talk about money in a, in a way that might seem a bit silly, but there's a point behind it. So stay tuned for that one as well. So maybe we'll start with talking about what does freedom look like? Hayden, you want to kick us off with that one, mate? Yeah, um, you and I will probably have very different experiences of what freedom looks like, both for ourselves and the people we've talked to. I think I can just chat a little bit about myself first, if you'd like, and you can tell me what freedom looks like or even did look like for you. So I think for me, financial freedom, financial independence, it's been a bit of a journey figuring out what that means. I think that I probably have a very similar experience to most people that financial freedom really just looks like choice at the end of the day. Because, you know, when we talk about financial independence, people people can so often conflate that with the idea of you work really hard, then you finish work and then you just sit around reading reading a book all day. But... <laughs> More than anything, it's it's um it's about removing the leverage that life thrusts upon you sometimes. You know, maybe you've got that crappy job, that crappy manager, clothes you don't like. It's I, I kind of sometimes describe it as wanting the element of money to kind of dissolve into the air. 
it's something that I whenever, whenever I think about financial freedom, I just look at myself over the last five or six years, I've kind of gone from having one or $200 in the bank account to having, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank account. And even just that small transition, I mean, it's quite large in a way, has changed, you know, when I have a bad day at work, I now know that it's easy for me to quit if I don't like it. Whenever I, you know, lose something, I know it's easy to buy something else. Or if I don't, I can change something about my life. Um, and that brings a great deal of calm and comfort. You know, it's a stress reducer. So freedom for me is just about choice and a choice being in the absence of money. It's no, nothing grand, nothing like, you know, sailing around on yachts or anything like that. Just a uh, choice. I'm not sure what it's been for you, Dave. I'd be really curious too, given that, you know, you've kind of gone through the full spectrum from starting to basically having that freedom you like and you know, if that's even changed what that freedom means to you once you've, you've kind of had it. Mm. Actually, the word you said before, leverage, that's actually a really interesting word to use in terms of how you, how you have greater control over your life and your time and all the rest of it when you start to build up some money in the bank account, just like your example there. Because I found that, I don't know if you've noticed this, but from speaking to people, even if they've only been uh, kind of on this path for maybe six or 12 months, they just feel entirely different about their situation in general because they no longer have to stay in a situation that they might not be very happy with. They have a lot of control over whether they stay in a job that they might not really like or they stay in a living situation that they might not really like. So, it just gives them such peace of mind and such such greater control and and sense of security to be able to make decisions that they think are going to be better for them without having to worry too much about the financial side of things. So I suppose for me, the experience of um, freedom and what it means to me. So if, yeah, I suppose for the longest time, freedom was essentially the, the goal. It was why I got up in the morning. It was why I worked as hard as I did and saved as hard as I did and and pursued financial independence for so long because I just wanted to be able to have more flexibility and options, like you said, over how I spent my time. So I'm not sure if you could resonate with this at all, Hayden, but if I don't have a lot of free time, I actually tend to get pretty grumpy. It feels like all my time's filled up with these obligations that I might not, not necessarily choose if I could. So I find that that's my experience with with how I'm, how I'm spending my time. I try not to be too busy. I kind of call it like anti-busy. My, my, my goal is to actually not be too busy and just have like a few things that I'm doing that I really enjoy. And then I can layer in other things around it, but I don't have to. I don't have to fill my schedule jam-packed because I don't actually enjoy that way of living. I just don't find it peaceful and don't find it enjoyable. So I deliberately don't design my life like that. Another thing I noticed is that when you do have freedom, one thing that happened is you lose structure. So work gives us, gives our lives like a structure. So if you end up quitting your job and walking away from the workforce, you lose that structure. So it can be a little bit intimidating to have all of that free time and not being totally sure what to do with it. So I noticed that I really like to have a routine. And so that's probably like a personality thing more than anything. I notice some people hate routines, some people love routines. So that'll depend. Too much freedom, is it? It <laughs> could be, yeah. So I think that'll depend on the person. Are you a routine guy or are you just a like wing it and whatever you feel like doing while also making sure you get the right stuff done? I feel like I'm a routine person in my head, but nearly everyone I've met that I'm close to at some point has used the word chaotic to describe me. So I feel like <laughs> maybe not. Um, I also work, you know, I work, a, I've, I've worked a 
desk job, I guess, throughout much of my adolescence and young adult life. And, you know, again, my father, who's, who's an electrician on his feet every day, I think he'd be the exact same as you. And I, I feel like, you know, the day he retires, he'll still be getting up at the same time. He'll just be out in the backyard mowing the lawn instead of hopping in the work truck. So, I, I mean, you get used to it, essentially. I, I'm certainly, I'm probably more in habits of, you know, interacting with my computer, given that I've been on the computer nearly every day for 10 years doing work or something. So, I'd find it hard not to use a computer and think about something productive I can do with it, you know, because they haven't always been leisure activities to me. So, I certainly think it, it must be a, it's going to be a big change for anyone who goes through that. And it's, it's interesting hearing about, you know, the break in routine. I mean, did you have to do anything to, you know, artificially change that? Like, did you still try and get up at a certain time or eat meals at a certain time? Um, it's a good question. I would say that it just kind of evolved naturally over time. So, at the start, I enjoyed having no sort of schedule and no sort of plan and just doing whatever, I getting up whatever time I felt like and just doing whatever all the time. But then... I don't know. For some reason, I just thought, nah, I'm kind of missing having structure because when you have a structure and you have certain things to do, I'm kind of like a planner, right? So, I like to have like a plan. It feels good if I like have a list and I check something off the list and that's that's just part of who I am, I think. So, I kind of missed that and missed... There's, I suppose there's a sense of... There's a small sense of achievement in having a kind of a plan for the day and getting certain things done and following that sort of structure or following that routine to the end. And you don't have to do it religiously, obviously, but I think there's some kind of a mental payoff that you get by following things like that. So, I found that that's what I suppose that's what I craved a bit. So, I started adding things back in and started living a more planned out life, I suppose you'd say, or planning out my days a little bit more because often I'd find if I didn't sort of plan anything or if I just did whatever I felt like, I often didn't feel like doing anything. I think the human bias is to naturally be lazy anytime we have some free time. I don't think we're wired for like, I don't know, I think we're just it's too easy often to just do nothing. So, we tend to opt for the easiest option because obviously that conserves energy and that would make sense historically why we would want to be like that. So, yeah, I think that's- That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I added stuff back in because I just actually enjoy my days more when I have that have that structure and routine. Well, the, I've thought about this a lot over the last few years because obviously it's part of, I guess, you know, my goal is to find that freedom and where I probably landed on it is that, you know, my life and probably anyone's life always needs to have, you need to fill your day with things you're responsible for. People who try and find freedom by removing responsibilities, I think, fall into ruts. I think as long as you're always responsible for something, things are good. And in a lot of ways, freedom is just about choosing what you're responsible for. You know, whether that's like if you have kids, you want to spend more time with your kids and, and raising them as opposed to working. Even if you are currently, you know, someone who looks after children full time, it's like rather than being responsible for having to go pick up the groceries for them every day, financial freedom allows you to get things delivered so that you can spend more time hearing about their school day, you know, like, but all of these things, I think that sustain people obviously fall from a certain degree of responsibility. So, that's that's been something on my mind a lot about freedom is not so much like how can I get rid of all these things in my way, but what are the responsibilities in life I would like to take on purely and not influenced by the need to pay the rent essentially. And that's still a, you know, a journey for me and I think about it every day. Um, you know, is it, I, you know, I went past the Meals on Wheels I think, or a, a meal center near where I lived a couple of years ago, I think on Christmas Eve. And I thought, man, you know, I'd, I'd love so much more sometimes to 
just be spending Christmas Day helping out with that rather than, you know, worrying about coding a, a website. So free, freedom is just, you know, having more choice in those conversations, I'd say. That, that'd be my best summarized thoughts on it. Mm. I, I find that most people, uh, like what you said, they, they still have certain things that they want to commit to and certain things that they want to be responsible for because those things give our lives meaning. So I find that that's still the case. I don't think that people necessarily want to escape from work to then just sit on the couch and watch Netflix or something like that. So uh, we could talk a little bit about purpose and meaning in a minute, but I think the most common goal is for people to just reduce, I suppose, the power that their full-time job or financial responsibilities have over them. So they have more more control and more choice over how much they want to work. So I find that often people still do actually want to work. It just might not be in a 40 hours a week, nine to five or seven to five type capacity that they might have been accustomed to for the last 10, 15 years. Or with a different um, salary too, right? Because uh, I mean, I remember reading this study about why do people leave jobs and I think it was the first or second reason was bad managers, you know. But then a lot of people can't change jobs because they, you know, maybe it doesn't pay as well. So there's probably people out there too who want to keep working 40 hours a week, five days a week, but they can't because they they want better people around them. But those better people mean a loss of salary. So that's probably a huge element too. Yeah, that's a good point to consider actually. So as your, I suppose, or you can, I suppose you can look at it two ways. So as your needs reduce or as your wealth increases you have greater ability to choose different types of work whether regardless of what it pays it might pay much less or it might pay it might not even pay at all maybe you go into some sort of volunteer roles but as it's like a spectrum right so as your needs reduce and your wealth expands whichever one of those you, you kind of have a greater array of options that you that you're able to choose from in terms of what work you do and whether whether it pays or whatever so that's something I think that's something cool to keep in the back of your mind yeah definitely but what about purpose mate what about productivity what about getting bored I mean if you have a lot of freedom there's this fear that you'll get bored you'll you'll just sit at home and you'll waste your days away so instead of having a 20-year relaxing retirement you'll have a 50-year relaxing retirement and you'll just be you turned into this slob of a man or a slob of a woman and you just it'll all be a it'll all be a big mistake what would you say to those oh, people man, dave <laughs> the number of times in my life i've heard someone say to me um won't you get bored is is insane dozens and dozens <laughs> of, it's usually the first thing they say when i tell them that i'm working hard trying to save money so that i have you know a passive income one day and i don't have to do i don't have to work is what are you going to do? You're going to get bored. You're going to go straight back to it. I don't I don't believe you is a common thing I hear all the time. Do you hear much of that language yourself or did you, I guess, beforehand? I don't get the I don't believe you bit because obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I definitely got some of the those querying faces and those like, huh, what are you talking about? You can't just you can't just retire. What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'd just rather have my have my freedom and then i'll i'll find something else to do they 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 think of it like it's a problem like it's this massive problem to solve oh no won't you get bored so the fear of being bored keeps them in a 40-year job that they might not even enjoy in the first place so it seems like a strange fear it's a it seems like a very strange fear but it's it's common even for people who are even closer to retirement not just those looking in from the outside so it is it is one that quite a few people face. It's interesting for me too because I can't tell if I'm crazy or if other people just lack imagination because I could tell you 
10 different ways right now that I could spend time if I wasn't compelled to work, not just other work, but you know, every day I wake up telling myself I'd like to go for a 20 minute run. And like, I, I like running. I like cycling. I like swimming. And I don't do most of these things because at the end of the day right now, because of work and other commitments I have, if I, if I tried to do them, I'd probably get not enough sleep and I don't want to be unhealthy. So there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff I could think of uh, off the top of my head around that kind of like hobbies and stuff. I think, I think the ones that feel the most durable are things that kind of stem from self-improvement. You know, like it's very hard to imagine actually wanting to quit work and play video games all day or something like that because... Mm. I'm yet to hear a case of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but gosh, the number of people I know who go part-time with work in, in midlife and just get their health in order with the spare time they have. I mean, if that's not an inspiring story that isn't about being bored, I, I don't know what is. It's, it's funny because a lot of times those... I, I did have those questions at work, like won't you get bored? But then it's like... Well, do you get bored on the weekend? They're like, no, I love the weekend. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. What you, it's just like a longer version of that. I don't, I don't understand what's so confusing about it. Yeah, then you ask them, do you like long weekends? And they're like, I love long weekends. They're the best kind of weekend. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not clicking, is it, sometimes? <laughs> it's quite funny, really. But let's just say that it is a legitimate concern because it can be. So I suppose what the question or what the fear is kind of getting at is what will you do with your time that will give you a sense of purpose or that will give you a sense of feeling productive? I think that's what they're worried about. I think it's more of a t- more of a sense of but if I don't do much, I won't I won't feel good because I won't be productive because obviously we get a lot of a lot of good feelings from actually achieving things and and feeling like a useful member of society. So that's a fair thing to consider, I think, because work, whether we might like our job or not, it does give us something productive to do. It does give us a sense of purpose, might not be like an ultimate spiritual type purpose, but it does give us a productive way to spend our time. But there's plenty of other ways that you can spend your time that's in a, a useful way that doesn't have to be work a full, like a full-time job is obviously not the only way that you can be a productive member of society that's like saying parents aren't productive if they're a stay-at-home parent or they aren't contributing to society which is obviously stupid or that volunteers aren't aren't valuable to society that doesn't hold weight at all in my mind yeah absolutely and i think you know that feeling of productivity for me at least in my head it's always been if I was to reach this point of freedom, particularly a scenario where I'm not, you know, working a, a heavy job, what am I going to do that engages with people? Because I, I feel that, you know, it's very difficult to imagine a sustained sense of purpose unless it's involved with people. And that could be anything from like spending more time or investing in your family through to like investing in the community around you, just being engaged, you know, playing more sport with other people. Because I feel like that's kind of what sustains people, particularly later on in life. Naturally, I think a lot of young people uh, like myself too and, you know, my immediate thoughts when I picture freedom and purpose is you, you think like travel is like one of the common ones, right? Oh, I'd love to just travel. I'd love to go do things. But I, I know those those feelings will wane for a lot of people as they get older as they just spend more time at home and not doing such crazy things. So, I think I always try and think about, you know, how am I going to find a sense of purpose with more and more time with people that matter, whether I know them personally or not, you know, whether the, the example of family or the example of being charitable with your time. Yeah, that's a good point because it can obviously be, because I suppose that's the other thing that relates to that is um, spending less time with people or the, the fear of not having social connection. 
if you're no longer at your full-time job or whatever it is. So obviously you can you can work part-time. You don't have to obviously quit entirely or that then you can fill those other gaps if you feel like you need to with like sports clubs or with volunteering organizations or with family and friends and making up the, I suppose, workplace social deficit in that way if you feel like you need to. But some people might not actually feel like they need to. They might be they might be even be in a job where they feel like they have too much social interaction and they will actually want more time by themselves. So it could go the other way as well. Yeah, definitely. Feels like there's quite a lot of different people out there though. There's probably some commonalities like that, you know, that people need to to do something productive and find purpose. And I, I I do have confidence that for the vast majority of people there's quite a lot of things they could do that make this kind of, you know, post-freedom life not feel too scary or unfamiliar for sure yeah because the people that i've spoken to over the years and i'm familiar with their stories and that it's it's really a mixed bag to be honest i mean i know some who are just parenting their young kids at the moment and they're focusing on that and so they plan to go back to work part-time when the kids are in school but they're not sure maybe what that looks like yet, but that's the plan. I know some others who are a bit older who are spending more time traveling because they didn't do that earlier in life. Um, I know some others who are just planning to semi-retire in the next couple of years uh, so that they can spend more time like going camping and spending more time with their kids and just in general having more more free time to do other things that are important to them. So it's really a mixed bag. I know a couple of people who've who've reached their fire and then quit their job and then started small businesses because they wanted something meaningful to work on, but it was something that gave them more a sense of purpose because it was it was around a topic or around a theme that they felt they could really contribute something towards, something that they cared about as opposed to their job that, that where in a, an employer or an industry or line of work that they may not really feel anything for. It's just a kind of a job to earn money and pay the bills. So you get to make that switch kind of like we were speaking about earlier. So from, yeah, from my experience, the, it's really a mixed bag of what people end up doing with their freedom after they leave their jobs or after they transition to this sort of semi-retirement lifestyle. So it's really quite interesting because it just shows you how diverse the motivations are and how diverse the the goals and 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 perspectives are and what's what's a valuable lifestyle for different people and how they want to spend their time yeah for sure and i think my last thing to add on this is i i love this line about you know people saying that their job or career is the only thing that gives them a sense of purpose or productivity and i think the biggest misconception or misunderstanding a lot of people seem to have is that you know it's not it's not the job that gives you that sense it's like it's the underlying fact that that job has given you something to achieve and you're going and doing it every day so you know i know right now if if i reached financial freedom and you know i I quit my job and then the next day the you know the street around me got completely flooded in a storm if i just spent the next week or two you know helping people clear out their driveways or something i'd have the same sense of purpose or productivity from that Um, and that sense is so critical but a job is a way to fill that. It's not the the way to fill that. And I think that's probably the biggest gap I see when talking to people about the relationship between work and, and a sense of long-term identity, really. That's that's an excellent way to put it because, the yeah, exactly. The underlying point is that you're doing something that is helping create a better world in some little way, you know, whether it's helping people clear their driveways, right, or whether it's doing xyz job which makes which makes things function smoothly it just gives you a sense of uh like a small sense of importance right that you're what you're doing actually matters a bit 
And so that that's so crucial to your mental health. Yeah, and I and I know I said it was my last thing, but I remember this example I gave someone a couple of years ago where I said, you know, there's a difference where if I was to stop working and all I did was sit around baking brownies and cakes and stuff, which I enjoy, right? It's a fun activity. Like that would be fun for a, a few days, you know? But if every time I baked something, I was giving it out to people, ex-colleagues that I know or, you know, friends, family, that would sustain me so much longer because of the contribution and the, the human interaction element. I think as long as you get those two things down, you can turn a lot of hobbies into something interesting. But things will, most things like, you know, playing video games will die out if you can't create that purpose or social element. But it's interesting because a, a lot of it comes back to helping other people, like almost everything, even the people that might start a small business. It might be around like mentoring other people. Yeah, definitely. I suppose even my blog's an example of that. Like I started that because I wanted to like pass on what I'd learned or whatever and that helps other people. And so even though it's not a job, it gives me a sense of fulfillment to be able to, you know, to be able to use like what I've learned or my experience to actually help other people. And so that gives me a sense of satisfaction to be able to do that. And that that becomes a really enjoyable way for me to spend my time. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. All right, let's talk about the silly little philosophical question that I came up with, Hayden. I know I, I flagged this to you before the show, but let's let's get into it. So it might sound a little bit strange, but hopefully you'll see the theme that I'm getting at behind the scenes. So basically, I want to talk for just a moment about like, if money was free, what would you do differently? So if if money didn't matter in a way, how would you spend it? Would it change what you spend your money on? Would it change what you did for work? Would you stay in the same job? And it kind of gets back to what we were talking about before. But I suppose it's a little bit different in the, in the sense of earlier we're speaking in terms of a basic goal of financial independence. And so in that sort of a scenario, you don't have unlimited money. You still have a limited, like a pretty pretty strict cap i suppose on the amount of money you have and the the lifestyle and whatever that comes along with that so it's not an unlimited kind of fantasy scenario so here i want to talk more about like the bigger picture idea of what if money was free how would that change what you did with it and what you did with your time and with your work because it is we are kind of trying to get to the point where money feels free, where it feels almost free. So you can, you don't really have to think about it too much and you're able to allocate it to things that you care about. But Hayden, how <laughs> you told me something a bit earlier and it kind of created a bit more discussion. But what, what, what would you have to say about this? Like, what, what if money was free? How would that change what you did with it or what you did yourself personally with your time here on earth? That's that's a great question, Dave. I think, um, I mean, God, there's so much I, I could think about. I mean, what I'd say is that, you know, obviously looking after family would probably be number one priority, but I think that happens in the freedom case a lot of the time anyway. So it's more like assuming that's covered, where would that time and energy go essentially if I could just do anything without, you know, any major concern for longevity. Honestly, for me, it's a bit personal, but I mean, it's, it's a very specific me thing, I guess I should say. It's not sensitive. Is um, I've always found a lot of value in trying to understand the world. You know, like I, I feel like every day there's things I, I care about 
you know, maybe maybe I'll, I'll forget to turn off a tap at home and I won't know what kind of impact that made on the environment. Maybe I'll walk past some homeless people and I don't I don't have a sense of how difficult their lives actually are in a tactile way. There's a lot of abstractions around me in the world. I don't know a lot and I'd love to just spend whatever time I have learning about how the world works. And sometimes I kind of miss um, high school or primary school where they used to teach you little bits about everything. You know, I remember in school, you used to have this like firm, broad grasp on everything from, you know, the type of clouds in the sky to some 1950s policy and something. And <laughs> I kind of miss that. And I, I find it hard to really engage with what matters to me. And because, you know, I get that the really classic case for me is when I remember, it's like 2016, they were talking about, you know, every Big Mac burger takes 20,000 liters of water to generate or some some stuff like that. And I just remember sitting there and I'm like, wait, so should I not eat Big Macs? Is that bad? Should I be turning the tap off when I brush my teeth? Uh, how bad's the air con? You know, I, I don't know. I know so little about how my actions influence the world. And most of the reason I don't know is because I don't have the the time and energy and resources to learn it, whether it's just the physical time to spend looking at it or, or you know, using a little bit of money to, to, to get some resources, whether it's people or information to help me understand it. Because I think that that's in summary what probably stresses me out the most is that I always want to do good things, but I just feel too uneducated to um, have any confidence. I'm, I'm even doing something that's like smart, if that makes any sense, because the world's such a confusing, complicated place. Actually, that's interesting because that leads to something that I've, I think I've said once before, but I often forget about it. So when you have a lot more time in your life, you're able to go, this is kind of what you're alluding to, I think, Hayden, you're able to go down a lot of little rabbit holes like that and, and learn a whole bunch of random things that you would have never bothered to spend time looking into because you just like you know if it's nine o'clock at night and you have a random thought you're like oh let me google that and then once you google something you realize holy shit there's actually it's not like a simple google answer i actually need to dig into this a lot and then you're like okay it's nearly time for bed i can't really be bothered (laughs) i'll I'll do that another time (laughs) but yeah gotta get up for work yeah, yeah exactly right so but if you're like if you're in a state where you don't have to work as much obviously you're like no, actually, let me dig into that. And you might open the tab and then you might still go to bed, but you can research it the next day. And so you can spend maybe the next, like the next day, three hours or something researching this random topic that you like with you with your Big Mac burger there, right? That you might have <laughs> never, ever bothered to research before because you just don't have the time and you just think, uh, I'll, yeah, it's, I'll do it another time. It's just, I don't have the bandwidth for it right now. But the, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because you can, I suppose you can, take back some of that childlike exploration in a way you know when you're a kid and you just kind of have a random thought and you're just like oh what's you have like unlimited questions so I suppose if you have more time on your hands you end up your mind kind of sends you all these questions all these things kind of pop up in your head because you've got all this extra mental energy that you didn't spend at, at work during the day so you end up having more of those questions and you also have more time to dig into what the answers to those questions might be so it's just kind of i suppose it's something extremely random but it is kind of cool that you get to have more of that exploration and more learning time yeah and i think you know the other part i didn't mention is that it's it's not even just the self-indulgent journey of knowledge it's I love, and I think other people are similar, but again, I might be naive. I love that feeling of talking to someone that trusts you, you know, maybe a family friend, 
you know, partner, kid, uncle, whatever, and being able to help them solve a problem that you've like learned a lot about. Like everyone's got some random thing in their life they've spent time figuring out, you know, like what's the healthiest cheese you can eat for instance, or like what's what's the the best phone value for money. And I feeling I love is is feeling educated and knowledgeable enough to like short circuit someone else's problems. You know, particularly people that trust you. Because if someone doesn't trust you, they're not going to listen to you. But you might experience this with your podcast. It's like you can save people hundreds of hours of their lives by if they trust you just helping them answer questions and the amazing thing is that that time that you help them with that's time they get back doing the things they help like even if they don't have financial freedom like your financial freedom that allows you to learn can save people time that they would otherwise waste googling what's the is the new iphone a waste of money is it too early to buy it like there's just so so many questions to answer that consumers these days i think yes yes is the answer (laughs) So, I mean, that was that was very indulgent of me to just kind of talk about what's on my mind. Tell me about, I mean, again, I wouldn't say money's free for you, obviously. You've reached a level of freedom, but I doubt you're um you're calling in from your mansion today. If if you did have an alternative life where you've gone from free to, you know, filthy free, I guess you'd call it, what what would you do differently? How would your days look differently or where would you where would you spend your time? You know, it's funny, I actually wrote this question down because I thought it was interesting to talk about. But I don't, I don't even have an answer for it. <laughs> Nothing's come to your mind or experimented? Uh, honestly, I don't. I can't think of how differently I'd spend my time. Some other ways that I can see myself spending my time would be to help various kind of wildlife organizations, whether, it's, whether that might be financially, which I kind of do already, but obviously you could do it on a, on a greater scale if your wealth's a lot bigger, but also like physically. Because I obviously do a lot of different, you know, practical things in the field. So, I wouldn't mind doing something like that as an alternate path, I suppose, an alternate hobby or alternate way to spend my time in in a meaningful way. What does that look like? I mean, as someone who very openly admits they're ignorant about wildlife, like what would, what would that actually look like? I mean, I don't know that much about it, to be honest, man, because it's such a giant, it, I suppose it depends what, what kind of wildlife you're wanting to, to help. So, there's obviously various ways you could approach that. You could do it locally where I, I suppose I kind of do a little bit of that right now with the turtles at the lake that's near my house. So, I kind of do a bit of that already, but you could you could go as far as to be like helping rescue apes and things like this in africa or like there's there's a million different things you could do you could help um rehabilitate wildlife that get caught in bushfires and things like that be a a i don't know if it's called a it's just like a wildlife carer right it's not like a foster carer sort of thing but helping in that way so you obviously need some training and different things for that but i think that would be quite meaningful and and quite enjoyable so yeah i don't have the answers on what exactly that looks like i just know there are a lot of different forms that that could take but yeah that's definitely something else that i'd be interested in if i could ask you dave this is a bit of a bonus question for you let's say you know you've reached financial freedom like you are now and you want to contribute to um you know to wildlife preservation protection etc how do you how do you feel about the difference between you know spending your days nine to five helping out with that with your hands versus say you know going back to work or finding another job nine to five and just using all that extra money you make and just pumping it straight in to those those causes you care about? How do you kind of balance that direct action versus just, you know, throwing wealth at it? That's an awesome question. So, there's a... You, I don't know if you've heard of the organization called Effective Altruism. You heard of that? Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. So you roughly know what they do. So that's they work on some of the biggest problems in the world where it might be it might be like animal welfare in the food system or it might be like global health in developing countries or third world countries or whatever. Um, so related to that, I've also seen a movement where people are deciding to like the best way to help the argument goes is to earn whatever you can manage to earn in your normal day job and then donate as much as possible to those causes and so the idea is that that will have the most impact rather than training and doing some of the work yourself and so I think there's a decent argument to be made for that but as to whether you do it yourself or not or you approach it in a different way I suppose is a personal choice because you might actually not want to do the work that's involved you might actually enjoy spending your time in different ways, working on different things. So you might actually really care about something, but that might not be the particular way you actually want to contribute. Maybe you do want to just contribute as a casual volunteer or maybe you want to contribute financially or maybe a bit of both. But it doesn't mean you have to work full-time in the industry, And it, but it also doesn't mean that you should chain yourself to a job that you may not really like just so you can pump as much money as possible into a, a charity or, some, or an organization. So I suppose it comes back to the individual and how what they'll feel is the most satisfying option. I mean, I don't know if there's an optimal option, but yeah, I suppose it comes back to the end at the end of the day, how obligated do you feel to spend your time in a certain way? Do you feel obligated to stay at work full time so that you can pump money into various causes or do you just feel that it, it's it's good enough if you create your own ideal lifestyle and then help in your own way, whether it might just be locally or financially in a smaller way. So you might not have the biggest impact, but you might have a much more enjoyable life overall. So I suppose it's a balance between how much of your life you give up towards things like that. And I suppose how it's almost like how selfless do you want to be and how much do you want to give up in in pursuit of a greater ambition or a greater goal outside of yourself. So I don't think there's a right answer to that. So it's, it's really going to be a personal decision at the end of the day. So it's it's a good question though. And it's a, it's a tough one to really answer. Makes a lot of sense. Like I've thought about that too. The one thing that you um, reiterated there that I hadn't considered is that there are lots of things people care about, but nearly find the thought of contributing uncomfortable, not often because they're bad people, right? But like um, you might have a certain you know, like I, I care a lot about domestic violence issue does, doesn't mean I want to, you know, be part of the police force and dealing with the confrontations, you know, maybe there's a level of social anxiety someone has with that or, you know, certain triggers, tr- memory triggers that are particularly upsetting, whereas for other things, it's actually quite pleasant to get involved. So, um, that's a really interesting question to ask because, you know, like does the, how comfortable would I be actually contributing? Because there's no point people putting themselves through something they find uncomfortable when there are so many alternative ways to, to convert time into impact, right? So that makes a lot of sense. And some of the some of the things I suppose can be taken too far. So I, I do remember reading a story about someone who was extremely passionate about the effective altruism type movement. And so they would work a lot of hours in their job and dedicate as much money as possible into into those causes. But then eventually they they eventually tortured themselves with it in the sense of they worked so hard, so hard and so hard. And if basically 
they got to a point where they felt guilty about anything that they, any time they spent that was not spent on furthering those causes because they equated that with, well, I'm just being selfish and I'm just, if I'm not helping with every minute of my day, then I'm effectively causing harm almost because that extra money I could have earned isn't going to go and save a life. So they begin to really suffer with a lot of anxiety around uh, a lot of guilt and anxiety around how they were spending their time and really kind of pushed themselves into a corner until they eventually, I believe they ended up quite depressed and they had to take a step back and reevaluate their life and come back at it with a, a fresh perspective and think about a different way to approach it because it, it kind of tormented them a little bit. They just felt tremendous guilt, which you can understand how that would happen, which is sad for someone who's trying to do so much good, but yeah, it's 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 going to be a balance, I think, for each person. How far they how far they take something like that? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, particular. I mean, you know, it's like um, it's like on planes. You know, fit your own oxygen mask before you help others. <laughs> it's like you got to you got to keep your head above water, otherwise you're never going to be in a good spot to help. So that that's quite an interesting story. I mean, it's interesting how much this this impacts different people differently in terms of like what they might do with that freedom. Hopefully, it's something that isn't too difficult for myself, but we will see if it ever happens. Yeah, we'll have to see, mate. Well, we got we got really in the weeds on that one. I wasn't expecting it to go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I suppose if we just wrap it up a little bit, you know, financial independence goals vary quite a bit by person to person, as we touched on a bit earlier. You know, some people will be pursuing full financial independence and they won't want anything less. I was kind of more in that camp than anything else. Whereas other people are just happy to wind back work slowly, maybe one day at a time, or maybe they uh, switch to kind of semi-retirement when they can afford to just work two or three days a week or something like that. I'm finding that's quite popular. But I suppose all of it is is centered around this desire for more, more choice and more options and a more flexible lifestyle so that people can spend more time on things that matter to them and create purpose in whatever way they they see is fit for them. So that we touched on the the concerns over like uh, being bored and you know and losing this sense of purpose, but I don't really think there's too much to worry about there. I think there's plenty of ways we can spend our spare time and spend our freedom in a way where we're still going to have a satisfying life and we're not going to waste it. We're not going to turn into mush. I'm yet to hear of a person who who literally does nothing for the next 20 years. I'm yet to hear of a case like that. But if you you have, let us know because I'd be interested to hear about it. But almost everyone I've spoken to is still very keen on being productive, on being a a responsible member of society in terms of giving back or in terms of working on new things that help other people and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I don't think we have too much to worry about there. Like financial independence isn't going to create a a generation of selfish sloths that just sit around and watch Netflix or something like that. Yeah, hopefully it creates a generation of uh, some extra people that can help chip in, make things a little better for the world. So, in summary, eventually we're hoping that we can inspire people to take action to create a world where, you know, money isn't the main motivator in decisions. Or 
a world where um, along the way of that journey, and maybe only a year or two in, you at least know you have a little bit more control than you did before because financial independence and freedom is not a binary thing. Um, there's a lot of value that comes just from being partially through that journey. These questions about, you know, how will you find purpose? Will you get bored? They're big questions and they're worth thinking about because you really benefit from, you know, spending that time months or years just kind of pondering about it in the back of your head so that it's not a surprise one day. And it can be a little bit fun and also more importantly, it can help motivate you along the journey. That's it for this episode. Dave and I had a lot of fun. If you do have any topics, suggestions, feedback, please reach out to us. It's just hello at aussiefirepod.com. Alternatively, reach out to us either via Dave or Perla, the company on social media, Instagram, etc. Thanks for listening. Um, We had a lot of fun and we'll catch you next time. See you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Aussie Fire. For more FI inspiration, head to perla.com to browse our resources, calculators, and community insights. Perla is an authorized representative, number 1281540 of Sandland Private Wealth, PTY LTD, with AFSL number 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when investing. So always seek advice and or check out the relevant disclosure document for any financial product, including the PDS and TMD before deciding. These are available from the product issuer's website. When you invest, your capital is at risk and past performance is not a reliable indicator of future investment returns. Yeah.